Beautiful earbuds, it is time for yet another rip-roaring adventure and emotional journey on Hanalyze This. But first, we need to take a moment to give a brief shout-out to uh, one of our amazing sponsors. Which sponsor is it? I'll tell you, it's Peacock Alley. Peacock Alley offers luxury bedding, bath basics, and fine linens. Ooh, I love having a comfy bed. You know, it takes a lot to be Hannah Hart. A lot of what, you might ask? A lot of laying in bed looking at Reddit. Speaking of Reddit, we have a new subreddit, but that's beside the point. While I'm laying in bed looking at our new subreddit, I am surrounded by luxurious soft sheets and pillows, all courtesy of Peacock Alley. And these are high-quality materials, people, but they also come with a 100-night guarantee. That, if you don't love it, you can return it for a full refund. So, make sure you visit PeacockAlley.com to check out all of their amazing linens and use the code EARBUDS, E-A-R-B-U-D-S, at checkout for 10% off your first purchase. That's PeacockAlley.com with the code EARBUDS for 10% off. Now, let's get to the show. I have a name for this episode. <gasps> wow. What is it? It's okay. We're going to be talking about medication. Yes. And I want to call this episode Moon Gorgeous Medication because as you may recall from oh season four of Sailor Moon, <laughs> she has an attack called Moon, Moon Gorgeous <laughs> Meditation. Exactly. Yes. It just oh. came to me, man. Dude, Moon Gorgeous Medication sounds great. Right? I love that. Sometimes I say that before I meditate. Before I try to meditate, I'm like, uh, Moon Gorgeous Meditation. Oh, <laughs> we got to make sure that that gif is up on Twitter. Oh, I think, yeah. I'll be well now. Make sure people know. Hello, beautiful earbuds. Thank you so much for joining us this week for our Moon Gorgeous Medication episode. Uh, Also, I apologize. I realized it's possible that some earbuds aren't obsessed with Sailor Moon. So maybe (laughs) they're kind of tired of hearing me talk about it and post about it and talk about it some more. You know, Um, I mean, we have yet to do our Sailor Moon dedicated episode. So lessons we've learned from Sailor Moon is probably going to come one day soon. I mean, there's 52 weeks in a year. So we're going to be grasping at straws any second now. 200 episodes of Sailor Moon. Oh, not including the new series. Oh, Crystal? And the movies. <gasps> <laughs> but today is not about Sailor Moon, our friends. Uh, today, we're actually going to be talking about medication. And we're going to be sharing our medication journeys. The days that we started to think, maybe medication's a direction to try. The fears we had. The things we put in our mouths and bodies. Side effects. Side effects and more. So if you have any interest... Continue to listen. I don't know why, but I always want to do like as if we have radio breaks or people are just tuning in for the first time. I always want to say like, this is what we're talking about. Well, that's great, dude. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thank you. I think that's your like, you know, you're like. Uh, New York spats yeah. part of your personality. Thank you. I feel that way. Oh, to be a newsboy. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So both Hannah Gelb and I are on medications. We'll and, talk. Man. Yeah. Man, I interrupted you. No, it's fine. Oh, okay. I just wanted to say, uh, I've been. Ba-da-da. How do you feel? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. I've been on medication for so long and I love it so much. I forget that before I took medication, I was like super anti-medication. Yeah. Like I was just like, no, no, it's 
scary. Drugs are scary. And now I'm like, drugs are the best thing in but the world. But it, it, it's been a journey to get there. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. yes. Okay, so let's set the stage. Um, let's talk about where you were at in your life when you started medication. Because I think that people have a lot of hesitation surrounding taking medication. There's a lot of stigma there that right, right. it's like weakness or laziness or mm-hmm. I don't know. Like what were some of the... Or people think it's like somehow tampering with your self. They're like, you're not going to be the same person. I mean, you can take, if you're taking medication that literally changes your, your personality, personality, that's not the right medication for you. It's either not the right medication, um, it's not the right diagnosis, or it's too much of that type of medication. Right. It's, but but really, a good medication clears away all the shit that's not you, for example, your depression, so that you can actually be a human. Mm, you know? Oh, yeah, you're right. Well, what do you think, I mean, would someone be scared for someone who's so severely depressed and so unmedicated, you know, you might lose sight of the personality you have outside of that condition. You know, when you've been depressed yeah. for so long, you're right, like, this right, right. is my personality. Right. It's like you think you might, like, disappear or something. Yeah. But sometimes medication helps to change that so you can take the steps to get back to the self that's in you. But then maybe you've forgotten. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I really wish I had been on it way earlier. How Okay. So let's let's talk about it. So I want to hear, first, how old were you and what were the circumstances that led to you trying medication? And then I'll share my experiences, really? too. So it was all because I started seeing a therapist in San Francisco in like 2009. How old were you? And uh, I was 24. I remember because when I turned 25, I was so sad and upset about it because I hadn't yet like traveled the world and like written a book. So after going to therapy for like about a year and crying every time, I was like, so do people go to therapy and not just burst into tears every time? My therapist was like, so I was thinking maybe medication could really help you because you could really benefit from getting some new patterns in your brain, Mm. you know? And I was like, (laughs) did they have a diagnosis in mind when you first started exploring medication or like, you know, what, how did you feel about that? How did them saying that make you feel? I think it was just really scary. Yeah. I mean, it was always scary. I mean, it was scary to want a therapist. It was scary to say, like, I think I have anxiety and depression. Because I did not, in high school, even though I was really depressed, I just didn't have the words or the vocabulary. And it's also so hard because, you know, I, I, for people that are 25 and under, your brain isn't even fully formed until you're about, like, 25 years old. So, obviously, you know, we all go through a lot of, like, hormonal changes and there's the stretcher, stressor and stresses and pressures of high school um, family dynamics, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of circumstance that goes on during that time in your life. You know, mm-hmm. you previously, like in medieval times, somebody's like 14, they're like, ship her off. She's queen now. <laughs> you know, like, got to get this person married, right? right? And then here we are having people that were this age, this time in your life, this age, in history, people considered you an adult by then. Mm-hmm, it's like the second you're old enough to produce a child, you are now an adult. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I believe that we, fortunately now, we have this adolescence and your teenage years, but oh, adolescence technically lasts until 30 now. Really? Yeah. I love it. I'll take mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But no. So yeah. So like your brain's not fully formed till you're 25 and this like period of time, people are growing at different rates. They're going through different hormonal changes. People are going through puberty faster, getting breakouts and boobs or whatever. <laughs> but like, there's a lot, there's a lot at play there. So I think it's pretty hard to discern what is hormone balancing right, right. what well, is yeah. your brain chemistry like what is stress and pressures you know I, it's mm-hmm. it's tough i'm I'm, yeah. I'm on the fence about i'm on the fence about medicating 
younger and younger. But yeah, at the same yeah. time, though, I do know people that are just getting to it now, people in their mid-20s, mm-hmm. whose lives have been derailed because they weren't attended to earlier. Right. Well, and I didn't even start taking it till after college. I think, yeah, probably maybe high school would have been yeah. pretty early. But if I had had it in college, that probably would have helped yeah. a lot. What, you mean not be depressed during college? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, fortunately, I like to say I'm really grateful that for me, it's like depression and ADHD. Like, I'm happy that I don't have mood disorders or like bipolar disorder Mm -hmm. or, you know, like my mom went through her whole life unmedicated, you know, and this is someone who suffers from like psychosis and it's like, Mm -hmm. or rather severe depression and schizoaffective disorder, which manifests in psychotic episodes and feelings. And just like, that's so hard. Mm -hmm. So I feel like Mm -hmm. if you're somebody that's struggling in that way, like suicidal, like all those things, definitely seek medication sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel so bad for those kids whose families are like, you don't need drugs. That just means you're weak. And you're like, right? well, I mean, it's still, yeah, that's a really strong cultural narrative. I would say that's the norm. Mm-hmm. There's like two norms in our society. There's- I mean, nobody else would ever say if I was taking like heart medication so that my heart wouldn't fail. People would never be like, you know, I really don't think you should do that. But I've had people who don't have depression, don't even know what it's like, don't even know what I'm taking, but they're still like, let me tell you about your life right now. Yeah. I have tried to go off medication. Ugh. And let me tell you something. Even though everything was exactly the same, I thought I was going to die at any moment. So. Okay. So you're going to therapy. Yes. I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. So sorry. Yeah. I'm going to therapy, crying every session. I mean, every session. That was just how I did therapy back then. And so she suggested I go to a psychiatrist. Going to a psychiatrist, it's also kind of like going to a therapist. There's like some out there that you're like, oh. yeah, I got that's the I next- feel like psychiatrists, especially, they're not therapists, they're like medical doctors. And they're sometimes not the most human-y people. <laughs> it's so, it, you know, you think, oh, God, it's like, okay, cool. I'm finally going to go and see a psychiatrist. Here I go. Mm-hmm. And it's like, as we discussed in our therapy episode, you're going to this doctor and maybe you don't gel with them or maybe you don't understand, like, their take on the medications. And, you know, you just don't get that, like, connectivity. Yeah, yeah. And then there's also, they're so fucking expensive. Oh, they're, A psychiatrist yeah. is, like, the most expensive and your insurance barely covers them. And the ones your insurance does cover is usually just an MD. Mm, right. Okay, so you go, you're going, you're in San Francisco, you go to first psychiatrist, mm-hmm. not the most human-y. Mm-hmm. What's the first thing? That they tell you to do or like what how was that first session i think i started crying felt very judged <laughs> she was like oh god okay well here's some tissues but no she did <laughs> i really she felt like not uh, not warm not warm at all you're like wow she was like wow that's so weird i only have these tissues for the crazy <laughs> gosh you know i honestly i think she did ask me some questions that i could tell we're trying to see if i have adhd she's like do you lose things sometimes yeah. Every fucking person loses things sometimes. You don't, bitch. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and I just wanted to be like, I don't have ADHD. But then, as we discussed in the previous episode, maybe I do. Anyways. We'll find out. Till TBD. You know, honestly, I can't. I don't remember how that exactly went. But I know I've tried so many drugs. The first drug I tried. I'm Wait, yeah. Sure. So what did she say? What was the conclusion from that session? I don't think there was a conclusion. Really? She didn't give you a prescription that day? Oh, no, she did. But it wasn't like, oh, you have this. Well, what was the prescription for? You know, I'm pretty sure it was Prozac. So it was probably for depression? What's Prozac yes. for? Prozac's for depression. It's okay. an antidepressant. So if she surprised you Prozac, then she probably diagnosed you with depression. Right, right, right. By virtue of that, right? Right, right. Okay, so the first drug she ever wanted to put you on was Prozac. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. 
Well, and how much were you taking? God, I don't remember, dude. Oh my god, are these like details that you really remember? I do not remember stuff like this. Yeah, a hundred percent. Well, because like, you've tried a lot of different antidepressants, so I yeah. want to talk about like how Prozac made you feel, right. and like what the dosage was, right, right, and like right. stuff like that. Yeah. And I think it's like important to keep track of that stuff because I'm a real big believer in the reality that not all medications work for all people, mm-hmm. and not only that, not all medication dosages work for all people. Right? Right? right There's right. like a blunting effect. You can get too far on medication where you're taking too much of something, and then sure you've gotten rid of the symptoms or the 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 problematic aspects of your mind, but now you've also kind of tiptoed into that line mm-hmm. where you're blunted, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for, for my first journey into medication, I went and I thought I had depression and anxiety. Turned out she was like, I think you have ADHD. And I was like, Arr. it was a two-hour session. It was like $500. Every oh, time my I, God. Every time I saw this woman, even for the hour-long sessions, it was like $450. It's so fucking expensive. It's stupid. It's stupid expensive. Let's move to Denmark. Uh, they wouldn't take us. They'd be like, oh, God, no. <laughs> they wouldn't take us. <laughs> Why would they want a bunch of fucking Americans in Denmark? Because they'd be like, hey, man, what's up? How's it been? <laughs> yes. Are you, a, are you a Viking? I don't even know. <laughs> you know, Denmark. What do they speak in Denmark? Dutch? Danish. Danish? Yeah. Oh, dude, I don't know. <laughs> Okay, so um, I we just discussed this actually in our previous episode about ADHD. So if you guys are more curious about what led to this ADHD diagnosis, I really strongly encourage you to listen to last week. But for now, I'll just skip ahead. Uh, so the first drug she ever put me on was Adderall, and it was a 10 milligram. And, and was I, this in San Francisco? No, it was in L.A., dude. I was oh, 26. Yeah, I was wow. here in L.A. Yeah, yeah. It was 10 milligrams, and she told me to break it in half and... To let her know if I was about to have a heart attack, basically. Mm-hmm. So that was terrifying. I was abjectly terrified to take this little pill. Mm-hmm. I was so, so scared. So she told me to take five. I actually broke it all the way down to two and a half. I like took a quarter of it because mm-hmm. I was just so scared that I was going to have a heart attack. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's kind of a weird going away. You know, hey, here you go. Don't have a heart attack. Literally, though, yes. Like, you know, because it's a stimulant drug, it's uh, really readily abused across America. A lot of people who don't have ADHD take Adderall because it makes them feel like, dun, 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 study all night, study all night. People in college took it to, like, write papers. Yeah. And I was like, oh. Well, they took it to people who don't have ADHD. They take it, and it makes it's an upper. It makes them feel, like, super stimulated, like, I'm going to get anything done. Mm -hmm. Wow. And if you do have ADHD, it actually makes you feel, like, more calm and in control, Mm -hmm. you know? Can I just say, dare really worked on me i was <laughs> okay, so what? do people does everybody know what dare is yeah do people do they still have dare i don't know what's <laughs> dare stand for dare uh <laughs> i'm gonna look it up i gotta look it up don't, don't actually read I don't remember encyclopedias uh, dare acronym meaning here we go dare drug abuse resistance education <laughs> exactly there it goes but uh, yeah, I was terrified of all drugs. I'm still terrified of drugs. I don't oh like. My. Yeah. Oh what? my god, what? guys! Dare is known to be a failed program. <laughs> Dare is a failed program in America. So we grew up during the Dare generation, and it wow. says, "Oh my god, the reasons for Dare's failure." And for those of you who are post or pre the Dare generation, it basically was these drug education programs. I feel like real police came into your elementary school and were like. Don't do drugs. Literally, a cop would come into your elementary school and be like, if you do drugs, we will arrest you and your life will be over. And we were but like, But they also said stuff like, 
don't try marijuana. It makes you feel fantastic. But don't do it. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. They were like, don't try marijuana because marijuana means you're about to do acid next. You know why I think it failed is because like, okay, in my school, which was like in the suburbs of San Diego, I did not know what drugs were. I didn't know anything about drugs. And then they were like, all right, let's tell you about drugs. Let's Mm -hmm. just drugs. They're everywhere. People are trying to give them to you here, 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 and here. Oh, my God. And in my school, which is in the suburbs of San Francisco, where all the tech Silicon Valley billionaire kids are, and also I think this is how L.A. was, too, is that they were like, hey, don't take Oxy out of your parents' cabinet. (laughs) And I was being like, who's what? And then other kids were like, Oh, I can get like stuff out of my parents' cabinet. (laughs) Exactly. Straight up, it's such a rich kid drug to be like, "Eh, I'm going to go steal my parents' prescription pills. It's like, Jesus. I I, I didn't even know that was a thing until Dare. And then Dare put that thought in my head. Wow. So wait, I really want to read why they said it Oh my God, yes. Please do. Oh, oh my God. What does it say? It says, the reasons for Dale's failure are summed up by the words of psychologist William Colson, who in 1998 argued that Dare increased drug awareness. So as these children grew older and these students grew older, they became curious about the things that they learned about from police officers. (laughs) Which is exactly what happened to me. I heard about Dare as a kid, and I was like, huh? And then I got older, and I was like, oh, you have a joint? Oh, my God. Yeah, I would love to try that. America! Fucking everything up, but we're trying our best. Yeah. We only illegalized, we only made marijuana legal because of racism. And that will be during our racism discussion episode. But just so you know, that that's why pot's illegal. Because basically, brown people started growing hemp and were producing cheaper rope and cloth and fabric and creating a real industry for themselves and then white people in power were like "Ooh, no that's illegal yeah you can only buy cotton you definitely can't buy hemp you can only buy this navy rope you definitely can't buy that mm-hmm. and started arresting people mm-hmm. straight up mm-hmm. to crush a budding industry no pun intended <laughs> that was a good pun that was a good pun anyway yeah, look man. all that up guys because it makes me I'm mad. Not to say people don't have problems with weed. I mean, duh. But like people have problems with chocolate. Well, there's no reason if alcohol, if alcohol is legal. Is alcohol legal, destroys so many lives. There it are... destroys your liver, your kidneys, <laughs> your pancreas, your heart. Like people are like, but then what if like your brain. the guy who drives my kids to school on the bus takes weed before his shift? I'm like, yeah, what if he's drunk? Yeah, what if he's drunk? What if he's drunk? <laughs> I'm pretty sure more violence comes from alcohol than marijuana a hundred percent nobody got like pot rage (laughs) you know and also like look as a person in my youth i once drove a car when i was stoned i when i was much younger okay guys and i drove that car about 10 miles per hour (laughs) down an empty suburban street oh my god you know i drove high for the first time like a couple months ago (gasps) hannah i know i just want to say i've never i've been high successfully three times in my entire life this was the third time i was driving and i was like whoa the stars and the road are like it was nighttime i was like they're kind of like the same thing and then at one point i was like how long have i been driving (laughs) here's the thing is that because pot makes you more paranoid you're more inclined to be like dude i really shouldn't drive Oh. As opposed to when you're drunk, you're like, I've never driven better in my life. <laughs> One time, my beloved had to take my keys away from me because that's what you should do if you have someone you love who's driving drunk. And she was like, you shouldn't drive. I'm sober. I'll drive. And I said, I drive better drunk than you do sober. 
And she was like, yeah, you're not driving this car. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's love. You got to take the keys away, guys. Absolutely. Got to take the keys away. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of danger there. Anyway. Back to other drugs. Long story short, pot should be legal. Especially, and it is being legalized. And the only reason it wasn't was because, remember prohibition? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm stopping. We're talking about medication. You're right. Here we go. Probi- I love prohibition, though, because it's hilarious. It's like, hey, America, no more booze. Okay, never mind. <laughs> totally failed. <laughs> like, we need alcohol to live. So, <laughs> rolling that back. We're not going to create any form of sustainable happiness. So, I really think we should just roll back out the um, anesthetizing element of alcohol. Mm-hmm. You know? Ooh, they're upset. Just get them drunk. Okay, good, good. Yeah, go to a bar, guys. Spend more money. Actually, booze is great. <laughs> My God. So. Medication. Long story short, medication. So here's the first thing. You know what? Actually, I need to reset. I think let's just cut for a quick break, guys. And I'll tell you all about (laughs) taking Adderall right after this. Hello, earbuds. This is Hannah Hart. I've taken a moment to kind of center myself. And sometimes when I need to center myself, that means having a nice hot cup of something. Something like what, you might ask? I'll tell you. Four Sigmatic. Wow. Four Sigmatic not only provides excellent caffeinated options that have less acid than normal coffee, extremely high quality, and leave you feeling jitter-free, but also, if you're avoiding caffeine, they have caffeine-free flavors, which are so delicious and offer the same benefits as their main mushroom coffee counterparts. So, of course, I wouldn't have mentioned this without trying to get you guys a sweet, sweet deal. And I have. And here it is. Right now, when you head to foursigmatic.com slash analyze, you'll get 15% off your entire order. That's 15% off any order placed on Four Sigmatic's website. But you have to use our special URL, foursigmatic.com slash analyze. Say it with me now. That's spelled F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash analyze. H-A-N-N-A-H-L-Y-Z-E. We're back. We're talking about yeah, medication. We're on topic. We are on topic. <laughs> I am ready to share. So anyway, long story short, I took the Adderall. Um, it was it worked for me. I did not feel uh, overstimulated. I did not feel less focused. I felt more focused and I felt more calm and it was great. Um, gradually, I took the full dose. Um, but what was really hard was that the peaks and valleys I couldn't navigate. I took a short acting Adderall. Uh, which meant that in three to five hours, it would wear off. You know, they say it lasts five to six. For me, it lasted like two to four. It all depends on your metabolism, how much you've had to eat. There's a lot of factors at hand. So the wearing off was really hard because it was a huge mood shift for me. I hated, it was hard enough to take the pill in the first place. So to have to take it throughout the day was really difficult. I would have like one or two good hours a day, but I had so much stigma in my heart against needing this pill that I I didn't want to take it. Mm -hmm. So she put me on a long-acting drug called Vyvanse. And she put me on 30 milligrams of Vyvanse twice a day. So that was 60 milligrams of Vyvanse. And that's an ADHD drug. Yeah, that's an ADHD drug. It's like a it, they say it's like similar to Adderall, but it's not the same. It's a some something amphetamine instead of a dextroamphetamine or vice versa. I don't know. You know, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I'm just sharing my experience with you. So I I was telling her, you know, I was getting really flushed, like really really hot. I was constantly thirsty. I felt entirely exhausted, depleted. 
And I talked to this doctor and I was like, I just really crash. I feel like my head hurts. Like it's, it's so much. And she literally just gave me more Adderall. She was like two Vyvanse during the day and then a short acting Adderall at night. Oh my God. So I was taking 60 milligrams of Vyvanse plus 10 milligrams of Adderall and it was hurting my body. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. exhausted, flushed, losing way too much weight because it suppresses your appetite mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just not creative. I was totally overstimulated and blunted. I had a psychiatrist do that once where I was like, I was very depressed. I think I was taking effects horror and Wellbutrin, but I was crying every time I saw her. But like to a psychiatrist, if you're crying, it's like, oh, Okay, you're tearful, so that needs to be medicated. Right. And so I was expressing this energy drop, and she was like, well, it sounds like you need more energy. Eventually, I just made the executive decision to stop taking Vyvanse, you know, because my my complaints weren't being heard. I did not feel like she was believing me when I was like, I think this is not doing well for my body. Mm -hmm. I am too flushed. I'm disoriented. She wasn't listening to you. She wasn't listening to me. And I stopped seeing that psychiatrist, and I stopped taking all ADHD medication. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I stopped... Well, I didn't reset. I started drinking a lot more. I went through a breakup. I let a lot of stuff fall apart. I really did because I just needed to kind of go back to zero. And I did. I reset my life. And then I started seeing a different therapist and a different psychiatrist. And the first thing the different therapist said was, well, why don't we, we'll go back to the short acting Adderall. You can take it as you feel you need, but we should really focus on treating your depression. Because I think what the other therapist was trying to do was just make me so focused that I was ignoring my depression instead of treating it. Because she never even brought up depression. That's crazy. She never, she never brought, said the word depression to me, mm-hmm. ever. And then my new psychiatrist, who's still my psychiatrist today, was like, well, I think we should start with the depression. Right. Well, I would be wary of a psychiatrist who doesn't say, like, you know, a lot of these things have similar symptoms. Sometimes it takes a lot of time to really, like, work out what it is and, I still feel like I don't know what's yeah. going on with me. I know. Like- but it was so fascinating because when I started seeing my new doc, my new psychiatrist, he was like, well, I think we should start with the depression. And I was like, the depression? I had just wrapped my mind around having ADHD. And so then three years later for someone to be like, well, you know, you are depressed. You're chemically, chronically depressed. I was like, uh, and? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then I started taking Wellbutrin. I was up to like 350 milligrams of that. It was not working for me. I was probably having three good days a week. And the fact that I was up at such a high dose and it was still three to four good days a week, he, we, we switched. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I really think is an unfortunate element of our society that we go through testing out all these different medications and it takes weeks and weeks and months and months to find out something doesn't even work. It's true. It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. It, it takes a long time. to. It's like they give it to you and they're like, okay, we'll really know what's going on in uh, like three months from in now. In three months. Like, Which that's is a-, a lot. When you're feeling like, when you're like, I don't even want to be alive right now. Mm. That feels like someone's just like. That's just going to take forever. Like that's you know? forever. That's forever. <laughs> I, I want to share. And this is the last thing I'll say regarding this because I feel pretty good about where I'm at today. But is because of also something I took early on with this new psychiatrist. We did this test called GeneSight. And this test is a swab, like a cheek swab. And basically, it comes back and it tells you the effectiveness of drugs that would work for you, right? So basically, you have like antidepressants, anti-anxiety, antipsychotics, and blah, 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 like all these different things. And not that you need all that, but you get all this information anyway. Mm -hmm. And it'll put it into like three categories. So the first category is, let's call them like A, B, and C. So the C category is not effective, meaning 
your body does not process or respond to this drug. You might get like the side effects of it, like your heart might be really fast, but you might not get the benefits. So it's like, do not use, will not be effective with your body chemistry. The middle category is moderate effect. That's for me where Wilbutrin fell in, Mm -hmm. which is like, you will get some benefit from this, but you're going to have to take a way higher dose. So the side effects of the drug could be there. You might be getting 100% of the side effects with only 50% of the actual oh, right. designated effects. Ugh, so that's why I, I know. So that's why I was on such a high dose of Wellbutrin and not feeling the results. It, like it took me 300 milligrams to feel like 25 of them, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then my A category had Zoloft. So he put me on 25 milligrams of Zoloft, which I up to 50 or 75 when I'm on my period. Da, 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 the end. But it was like <laughs> that test was such a revelation. And I just think it's a test that most insurance companies don't cover. It's a test that you have to pay for out of pocket unless you're on Medi-Cal or Medicare. And here's what's so fucked up about that. The county and the government cover GeneSight so that they don't have to spend the money and time figuring out what's going to work for you. Mm-hmm. They can just be like, uh, oh, this one's effective for, okay, give her this. As opposed to your personal income where the doctors are like, we'll just, yeah, we'll try this, and then we'll try this, and then we'll try this. Isn't that nuts? It's like if, they, if the county is willing to pay for it, private insurance companies should cover it, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. That's insane. That is crazy. That's insane. Well, so anyway, Gene's yeah. I think it's really fascinating. Talk to your doctor about it. A lot of them haven't heard of it. I don't know, man. But I just can't wait to share with everyone all the different medicines you've tried. <laughs> right after this. Why, hello, earbuds. It's that special time of the podcast where we talk to you guys about our underpants. And by we, I mean the royal we, because it's just Hannah Hart today talking to you about underpants. But which underpants? Why, Tomboy X, a variety of underpants seller that we truly love. Now, you don't have to just be a tomboy to enjoy Tomboy X. Tomboy X comes in a variety of sizes and colors and styles that are made to suit you. So whoever you are, whoever you want to be, go ahead and be it. Be free in your Tomboy X panty and sports bra. I mean, trunks, boy shorts. I mean, really, they have, they've really got it all. For me, I'm digging the Tomboy X boxer briefs and their soft bras. Ooh, love them. So to get yours, go to TomboyX.com slash Hanalyze and check out their special bundles and pack pricing. And Hanalyze this listeners get an extra 15% off when using the code Hanalyze. Again, the code is Hanalyze for an extra 15% off. So ditch whatever you're wearing for a pair of Tomboy X underwear. Go to TomboyX.com slash Hanalyze. it's hard for me to kind of remember all the details of my medication journey is because I moved so many times and had so many jobs when I was living up in the Bay. And so I never had a consistent health insurance. I never had one doctor because, okay, we lived in San Francisco and then I lived in Oakland and then I lived in Berkeley. Then I moved back to San Francisco. So I think every time I went to a psychiatrist or a therapist, it was like a different person. Mm, Starting from scratch. And that's only in the span of like five years. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, so the first person put you on Prozac, right? Okay. So how did Prozac make you feel? I think I felt like some good effects, but it definitely had sexual side effects. Really? Like, uh, yeah. Like, cause you're a horny girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I know. Oh, it was terrible. Cause you know, I'm in a relationship at the time. It's really hard. Uh, like, what were the sexual side effects? Um, I think I had a really hard time orgasming. Mm. 
Like that was, that's a big side effect. It is. And then you're just like, well, um, now I just want to kill myself. I mean, what's the point of being alive? (laughs) What's the point of life without sex? Uh, And the thing is, is that like also it's like using orgasms and like sex. That's also an endorphin kick. That's also a dopamine kick. Right. I mean, and it's more depressing to not be able to have sex. God, there's nothing worse than not being able to have an orgasm when you're depressed and you're like, God, I just want to try and masturbate, see if I can feel better. Oh my God, I can't even come. (laughs) I can't even get that. You didn't even get that? No, it's so that was not for me. Did they tell you that that was a side effect that could occur? That like lower sex? They they say lower, decreased libido? What's a term? Yeah, they always say like, yeah, decreased sex drive maybe. Yeah. Wow. So you definitely felt that. Were there any other side effects from the Prozac? By the way, I think that making it harder to orgasm is something that means that they got to just take the drug off the market. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. It's just like, that's rough. That's That's super rough. And also, that's so weird. Yeah. Like, well, th- how is that a side effect of something? But side effects <laughs> affect people differently. Like Zoloft, for some, it causes weight gain. Did Prozac ever make you gain weight? No, I, I don't think so. It was just a sexual side yeah. effect. Got it. It's hard to recall because I feel like I was such a different person then. And I was so sad. <laughs> so then it wasn't working. It wasn't working. Was the Prozac designed to make you feel happy or just make you feel not actively sad? I think it's designed to up your mood. It's like a mood upper. elevator. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. I, I feel like mentioning the sexual side effects, they, they really don't present them enough. They don't really say like this is affects a lot of people. Because I have to say, hi, my name's Hannah Hart. I love sex. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I think it's great. I love people. And I think it's great. I have been taking Zoloft now for over a year. And in the last couple months, I got there. Like it's in my body. It's in my system enough that... I feel it. My sex drive has been reduced. I would say I started feeling it like last six months. My sex drive started to drop like, mm-hmm. oh, this has been reduced. Like I wasn't like, I need sex every day. I was like, meh, meh, yeah. more like a healthy, normal person. <laughs> sex. But then now I feel like the more I've been taking it, I feel like it's like kind of just getting lower and lower. But I don't know. But maybe I was having so much sex because I was doing it to try and like be happier. It might be like all kinds of things going on. It might yeah. just be like, what's going on right now? Yeah, know? I might just be stressed too. I mean, I just yeah. miss it though. Yeah, yeah, I, man. I know. I really do. Oh, God. Maybe it's stability. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? But anyway, okay. So that's yeah. Prozac. So then mm-hmm. what made you decide to stop taking Prozac? I think it wasn't working. It wasn't working. Yeah. Okay. So where'd you go from there? I think I was on Lexapro after that. Like Kanye. <laughs> he, he raps about Lexapro. Does he? I have a, yeah, I have a lot of friends on Lexapro. Okay, so how was yeah. Lexapro? It was very similar to the Prozac. Just kind of like didn't feel like myself, but did not feel any better. You just like, didn't feel felt, different. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's tough too because I remember, I, you know, I was with Jack at the time, mm. and I think he I felt a little judged, like you know, taking the drugs because he just did not have any depression in his body at yeah. all ever, and had no idea what it was like, and. You know, it just really made me feel even more like, oh, I'm like the broken one in this relationship. It's you know? really hard to push past that feeling of mm-hmm. taking a pill every day. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard. You're like, oh, wow, here I go. I have to take this to be functional. That's lame. I yeah. hate myself. Oh, wait, that's the depression talking. <laughs> Time to take this pill. And it doesn't like a lot there. I, I don't think any antidepressants act immediately. There's no like short acting antidepressant. They oh, yeah, all need all. to build up in your system over time. Mm-hmm. I know with some anti-anxiety ones, uh, like my sister was going through a divorce and she was taking... She took Xanax for a little while, uh, just a little while, and she stopped taking it. Um, and she, like, meditates every day, which is great because mm-hmm. it's like, right, if you're going to exercise every day and meditate every day, I'm sure you can live without these drugs, you know? And if you can't, then you can't. But mm-hmm. it's like these are tools to help you get in those directions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
so what you, when did you take the Lexapro and then why did you decide to stop? Was it all like moving and then they just kind of put you on different drugs? Yeah, I just wasn't very good at being consistent. I think I kind of went off and on just on my own and I would, oh, you know, yeah. I would kind of be like, oh, I don't want to need this. And, you know, a lot of problems you can trace back to are stupid medical system <laughs> when you're literally like i would rather feel terrible than figure out how to get my meds or rather i feel so <laughs> terrible i can't bring myself to leave the house to go get my meds and here's something that is so lame about taking a stimulant drug the authorization from your insurance company takes forever right. and then sometimes the insurance changes a policy not mm-hmm. even your policy just somewhere in the line and all of a sudden, I'll go in to go get my like my Adderall, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we need your authorization again." And I'm like, "Oh my god!" I'm like, Wait, so I can't pick it up today? And they're like, "Yeah, they changed this policy." So, and I'm like, "So I have to call my doctor." Like this is like on a Saturday. I'm like, mm-hmm. I have to call my doctor. We have to fax the paperwork. We have to get the paperwork back. We have to call the insurance. You get the insurance, da da da, all over again for no. For it's what? almost as if the system does not serve the patient at all. Oh my god, I think you <laughs> might be right. <laughs> Okay, so that's Lexapro. What's yeah. the next one you tried? So then I think I really started. So I know when the big breakup happened, I was not taking anything. And I think I'd kind of convinced myself like, oh, I don't need drugs. But okay, obviously I really did. So then when I got back to San Diego and was just like a shell of myself, um, my parents really encouraged me to get back on medication. So that's, I think, when I really tried the most because I was like very consistently like going to the psychiatrist and trying a lot of things. So I feel like that is so important. If you're someone that needs medication or if you're going through a period of time where it's like the the more that whatever solutions you're going to follow through with, to have people be accepting of that, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, to be okay. like, you know. I think you felt better when you were taking your medication. Right. And like, I'm like, here to remind you that you did feel better when you were on your meds. Because it's so easy to forget. Mm-hmm. It's so easy for us to lose sight uh, of that. Yeah. And especially when you're in that place of like, you know, when your depression is so bad that like you feel like you've been compressed down to like, if you turn to the side, you like disappear. You're like, literally being alive is so terrible right now. I think that's like kind of where I was. I remember so clearly lying in bed at noon, staring at the ceiling like crying silently to myself and my dad like came in and was like Hannah you need to be on drugs or something <laughs> of that effect I have no idea I was really stressing my parents out like made the fact that I was still in bed I and love you. was like stressing them out yeah totally yeah and they wanted you they were like we know you're sad but we can't let this become the new you like this can't be this pattern you're gonna be in forever mm-hmm, you know they mm-hmm. loved you they they've seen you happy mm-hmm. and they saw you motivated and trying and there's always like grieving periods right but i think it's so important to have those people in our lives mm-hmm. that are like hi okay let's go do this now mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know yeah. and we all need that sometimes yeah yeah totally um so let me just read you my list of drugs that i've taken all <laughs> in right, addition I'm to ready. the ones i've already said effexor what's effexor uh, Effexor is like, I think it's similar to Prozac. I also tried Paxil because that's what my dad takes. And I was like, oh, well, I'm genetically similar to my dad, so maybe that'll work. Uh, Didn't really work. No. Um, That's so interesting because it's like, here are all these drugs that are in similar families. So it's mm -hmm. like, well, if the Prozac didn't work and the Lexapro didn't work, and if it's related to the Effexor, I'm going to guess the Effexor is not going to work. Yeah. I think the problem is I just have very little understanding you know, of how the drugs work and the doctors kind of don't always know too. I mean, it's their job to know, but like, I would just kind of go be like, okay, whatever you say, man. Like, That's I just so want to feel Because better. it's like, here you are like showing your own narrative, right? And if it's like, 
Well, yeah, eventually I just didn't really take it. And then the doctor's going to be like, well, maybe if you took it consistently, it would have worked. And you're like, okay, well, maybe if it was working after three months of taking it, I would be taking it every day. Right. If it was working, I would feel better and be more motivated and less depressed mm-hmm. and more inclined to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. So it's not, if, if, you know, people are like, oh yeah, I, I just stopped taking it. It's like, well, maybe it's not working then. Yeah, yeah. I think I was at a point where I was taking effects for and Wellbutrin, and my psychiatrist was just like, she kept upping the Wellbutrin. And I had these really bad side effects, like my hands were shaking. I had like tinnitus. Well, because Wellbutrin stimulating. Yeah. And, and I, you had like, tinnitus, like the hum, the ringing yeah. in the ear? Also, what's weird about Wellbutrin is it makes it hard to pee. Oh, my God. <laughs> really? Yeah. I didn't find Wellbutrin made it hard to pee? Yeah. Well, I think I was taking, I was taking like 300 milligrams. Yeah, it's a lot. And it was hard to like relax. I mean, it's stimulating. Maybe you were just like so tense. Well, yeah, no, that's the thing. And I, I, I called my doctor and she was like, yeah, that's a side effect. I was like, uh, you could have told me that, bro. Like, yeah. Like it would literally, I would sit on the toilet, like just trying to pee because you, yeah, the muscles like can't relax easily or something. Oh yeah, my it was God. crazy. But yeah, that then at that point, I felt like I was more side effect than myself. So, <sighs> And that just sucks. And here you are, you're putting all this money, time, energy, oh my God. effort into trying so to find a medication that works. Money. And then and then you're like, wow, now this is just making me more stressed out. Right. Because right. I can't pee or have an orgasm. <laughs> oh, God. It's the worst. <laughs> so then where do you, where are you at today? What happened after Effexor? Okay. So for a long time after the breakup, I was living at home. I was working part-time at a coffee shop. So I felt really depressed because I was like, well, my life is a joke. You know, no offense to anyone out there. But, you know, I didn't feel like an adult. I was like, I'm 30 years old. I don't want to live with my parents and I want a real person job. So I finally managed to move out and I got a full-time job. And at that point, I was taking, I think, the Zoloft and Wellbutrin. And I felt really great. And I was like, oh, my God, all my problems are solved. I feel great. I have a real person job. I moved out of my parents' house. I don't need to take drugs anymore. So they switched you. They were like, okay, Fexor's not working. Why don't we try Zoloft and less Wellbutrin? No, and well, yeah, probably less will be true, yeah. Okay, cool. So, and then I was like, I don't need drugs anymore. Turns out I need drugs. Uh, like, <laughs> wait, so you stopped taking them? So I stopped taking them. So, well, I think well, I like to try, I like in my own dumb way was like, I'll just start taking like a half a day or like I'll take one every other day to like wean myself off. And then, Why were you wanting to wean yourself off? Because I thought I did. I, I, <gasps> I always, remember when you did this. Because you know what? I remember. Because Hannah Hart, my oh, entire yeah. life, I felt like. The reason I'm depressed is because I can't take care of myself. Once I figure that out, then I won't be depressed anymore. Turns out, no, I just have depression. It's genetic. Yeah. So I just thought, oh, my God, I'm not living because I was living with Jack, who took care of me. I'd never lived on my own before. Then I was living with my parents. So when I finally was like, oh, my God, I have my own. I'm paying rent in my own place. All my problems should be solved. Nope. Well, I mean, it sucks because it's like here you are thinking, okay, I've gotten myself where I needed to get. But that, you know, it was a good experience. It was a good experience to have because it was like, oh, no, I... I'm here because of these things that I'm doing to help support myself. Yeah, like these drugs really help me. And it's, like, it's it's, super and also, fair. it's like we always think once I get that thing, then I'll be happy. And then I won't have any problems anymore. I remember reading self-help books and they were like, wow, Jill was sad because things weren't going well at her job. And I was like, Jill doesn't live with her parents. She has no problems. Okay. Why is she sad? You felt that way? Yeah. Mm, yeah. I I felt so much shame. Like, so dumb, you know, because that's like how we live now. (laughs) Well, and the other, but maybe that voice is saying, like, I really want to move out from living at home. That's I. That's I. It's like when people are like, I'm so ashamed of my body, or I'm so ashamed of, for me, I'm so ashamed of the way I handle my work. I'm ashamed that I am not more consistent and I'm ashamed I'm not more organized. 
I need to turn that into, I have a goal of being more organized, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and take it from a whip and turn it into like a pencil and just like write it down. Mm -hmm, And instead of being mm -hmm. like, I'm ashamed of my body because I'm too overweight or whatever, just be like, I have a goal of losing some weight. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have a goal of being more organized. Mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. but it's so, but I don't feel that way, Mm -hmm, but I just mm -hmm. have to talk to myself that way because I can identify the feeling and Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. something I can do to help change it. Yeah, no, dude, I think you're right. I think it, you know, it just felt, I just felt kind of sick inside, but yeah, so I went off the meds and oh my God. I just felt terrible. I mean, I couldn't sleep, lost a ton of weight, literally just felt this dread for no reason. Like I would think about the future, like, oh my God, every day is going to be like this for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Like, because I didn't really have a lot. I I was going to work, you know, and um, at one point I had actually moved into my current place with my like lovely roommate. What helped drive you to get back on the medication? What made you be like, wait a minute? Well, it was that. Yeah. It was like, this is not normal. Oh, yeah. my God. I mean, I would just like pray. You're like, I didn't used to feel this way. What was different? <laughs> it's so funny and bizarre when you are like that because you're like, oh, my God, maybe if I could just get some sleep, I'd be able to think clearly. Mm. But I can't. And then you're like, then you're anxious about how you're not going to sleep. So, you know, I totally did that thing where you like go to bed, wake up at like four in the morning or like three in the morning and then just lie there for like three hours and like, be like, please sleep. So, and there was just no reason for that to be happening. It was just chemical stuff. Everything was exactly the same. And so then I just called, you know, I had health insurance at this point through my work. So I went to the psychiatrist and I got back on drugs. Good job, dude. (sighs) Good job that you did. And it's such a reasonable temptation. You know, as someone who is very pro drugs and pro self-awareness I do also fall prey to that you know recently I went off my Zoloft because I was like well maybe I can get my sex drive back Mm. or like maybe I'm in a good enough place maybe I'll just do more exercise okay like I'm taking the Zoloft because I'm not really like exercising and like I'm not really like doing I'm not meditating anymore okay well you know what I'll do here's what I'll do first I'll stop taking the Zoloft (laughs) and then I'll meditate and exercise more so I stopped taking the Zoloft and about seven, 10 days, two weeks went by. <laughs> and then I hit a really, really bad wall and it, it affected me. It affected my relationship. I didn't tell my partner I'd stopped taking Zoloft. The more I stopped taking it, the more I was becoming more self-destructive. And it was, it was really hard. And when I told her about it, I was like, hey, I just have, I started taking again. And I was like, hey, I have something to tell you. Like I just, I went off my Zoloft and she was mad. She was frustrated. She's like, you can't just make that decision. She's like, it affects our lives. It affects both of our lives. You know, she had her feelings about it. And then I was like, I just wanted to see if I could be numb. Oh, you know? Yeah. And, but it was good. It was actually ended up being a really wonderful discussion. And it turned out all the things that I hadn't been able to tell myself that I was going to feel better eventually and that it, I, I didn't always feel like this and all the stuff that I forgot because I couldn't see it anymore. I was like, this is just life and this has always been life. She was able to remind me of. She was like, you will feel better. You have felt better. Because we started dating before I started taking any antidepressants. Mm -hmm, And like, mm -hmm. as we started dating, I started trying them. So she's seen the whole thing. Mm -hmm, And that mm -hmm. is a real resource. That's a real resource to have that objective observation. Yeah, yeah. And I remember when you went off your drugs. I was like, what? (laughs) I know. Like, when I tell people that now, they're like, what the fuck were you thinking? I was like, but I but everybody funny. does so it. Funny. Everybody like, does it sometimes. It's yeah. hard and it's like you want yeah, I get it, you but know. But it's so funny to me now. I feel like I'm much more just accepting of the situation like 
I really thought that it was just, I've always depended on my boyfriend. I have no confidence in my own capabilities and my ability to survive. I depended on my parents. I really thought like, that's the reason. Uh, that's the reason I'm depressed. That's the whole reason. The second reason. I can prove to myself I am self-reliant, I will, I will not be depressed. And also, I won't even need drugs anymore. Of course, I still had that thing that was like, you're relying too much on drugs and you're a little Oh, so then baby. your judgment became that you were relying now on the drugs? Yeah. Oh, what can you have? What, what can you have? Oh. So, yeah. So it was kind of sad to realize like, nope, there's nothing in life that's going to happen that's going to make all our problems go away. That's right. But that's okay because what is life? Life is problems and solutions. You know, it is sunrises, <laughs> sunrise, sunset. Yes. It's all too, it's all part of the same stuff. And I feel like the more we can forgive ourselves and accept that, the happier and we were going to end up being. So try drugs, kids. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I feel like I used to say like, and you know, well-meaning family members have said things like, do you want to be on drugs forever? And I'm like, you know, at this point, I'm like, I might take this for the rest of my life. And I'm yeah. totally fine with that. Which is better. Let's say someone has uh, anxiety and they can either take an anti-anxiety medication for their life or, you know, if they're not somebody that's going to engage in like mindfulness, meditation, exercise, healthy living, eating, da, 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 da. But I want to say, even when you do all those things, like I was working really hard when I was first living home with my parents. I just want to emphasize, like I was exercising, meditating, journaling, working on myself. I still needed that extra boost. Yes. I'm not saying that the drugs are good, dude. They're good. I feel but you that. keep saying like, well, it's like if you're, if you can't exercise or meditate and you need to take the drug because you can't exercise or meditate. It, uh, they're all elements of each other. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. It's like on top of, I'm just bringing it all in. So, I'm like, so it doesn't sound so one-sided about just medication. Right, right, okay. That's okay, why gotcha, I, gotcha. that's all I'm saying. Okay. All okay. I'm saying is that all these things come together. It's like people say you're going to be on drugs the rest of your life. And it's like, so let's say someone has incredible anxiety and they, you know, aren't able to like exercise every single day and be meditating every single day and eat the perfect diet and like find their moments of Zen or blah, blah, blah. And they decide to take anti-anxiety medication to help themselves. Isn't it better for them to be on anti-anxiety medication than for them to have a heart attack in their 40s because their heart is so stressed out from their constant anxiety? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Or like somebody who is like compulsively like self-medicating through food or whatever. It's like it, it, people have this idea that drugs are like the bad thing. And it's like, what about the life without them? Right. That's that person's still point. hurting themselves. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So anyway, guys, this is our... Pro medication, <laughs> it is a-okay. Not taking it is a-okay. Whatever you're doing that is moving you in the direction towards the life you want. If you're not moving in that direction, then it might mean some element needs to change. You know? Wow, that's beautiful, dude. Uh, you know? It's like a sandwich. <laughs> Wait, what? Somehow, vaguely. Mm. It is. It's like a sandwich. What do you guys think? Is it like a sandwich? Please let us know by, be sh by being suring. <laughs> But, and be sure to let us know in the comments uh, if you can rate, review, subscribe, and tweet at us on Twitter at HanalizePod and let us know about your medication journeys. We would love to hear it. We love to share. And we would love to feature more and more earbuds in our podcast as we go. I think we should start featuring people every week. I think we should pull comments and feature them oh, every week. Oh, that would be really interesting, you know, dude. Just like some of your favorite stuff that you've seen. Mm -hmm, let's mm -hmm. do that for the next episode. Well, let's do it. Starting next week. <laughs> we're going to do that. Awesome. I have to pee. <laughs> I kind of have to pee too. Okay. See you later, <laughs> buds. Bye.